Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Hello. Welcome to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. My name is Brian Smith, and I'm a seminarian for the Diocese of Youngstown, and today I'm joined by Jacob Stinnett, a seminarian for the Diocese of Columbus. Let us begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, you have called us all into existence, and beyond this you call us to be your sons and daughters. Help us to continue to grow closer to you as our Father every day, and teach us to be more faithful children of yours in the world. Our Father, who art art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy thy will be done, done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jacob, we've been hosting this show now about seminarians for a while. We have. And um, we talk a lot about vocation, especially vocation to the priesthood and to the religious life. But it occurs to me that, you know, calling in the life of the church and the life of the Christian is something that we all have to face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not just in those different, um, you know, types of religious life, but, you know, a calling, first of all, to, to be holy and to follow Christ. And then, um, basically, it just seems like we can give a lot of attention to religious vocation as, like, the main way to go about it, or even a vocation to married life, perhaps, you know, discerning the difference between those two and finding which one I'm going to follow. But sometimes we lose, you know, some important parts of just the call that all Christians have to live out their faith in the world. So I thought maybe we could talk about that a little bit today. Yeah, that sounds great. You started talking about um, the vocation to holiness, um, and Pope Benedict even identifies a vocation prior to that. Okay. Um, even prior to our baptism, because everyone's made in the image and likeness of God, right. Christians and non-Christians. So he, he says that even before our baptism, we have a vocation, a calling from God, which is for life. Yes. We've been given this gift of life, of existence. Um, and so we're to respond to God in whatever way um, our conscience tells us we must um, for the unbaptized um, through our lives. Um, so just being alive is a response to God's calling mm-hmm. to his gift um, for us. We all, it's good to remember this. We all have this innate relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That's not something that we just kind of one day think, um, oh, it'd be nice if God were part of my life. Right. It's not something that we can just add on top of our existence already, as mm-hmm. if it was sprinkles on the cupcake or something like that. No, it's it's an ingredient within that, mm-hmm. that cake. Um that is our lives. So, yeah, I think um, highlighting that, and Pope Benedict does a great job of highlighting that first, that God is innately from our birth, from our creation in our mother's womb, mm-hmm. a part of our lives, and our lives are a response to him. 
What would you say are some of the ways that we're called to respond just to that basic, um, you know, call to life besides just living, you know? <laughs> okay, so we're called to live, so we're alive. And um, what are some of the other first steps that we have to our relationship with God? I think building up and kind of working towards perfecting those sorts of um, gifts that he gives us already. Maybe, um, you know, mm-hmm. someone's naturally good, a naturally good athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so even before looking at his baptismal calling, building up those gifts that he has as an athlete or maybe as a, a scholar um, or whatever sort of gifts someone might have, that's responding to the gifts that they have from God because he's the source of those gifts within himself. So just working on perfecting the person. And then, you know, we have the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. But even before those, we have what are called natural virtues. Um, We've taken them up in the Catholic tradition as the cardinal virtues, Mm -hmm. um, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. But those exist on a natural level as well. They're informed by supernatural grace in the Christian life, Mm -hmm. but they exist already and they can be worked on over time. So those sort of basic human human good qualities that, mm-hmm. that people would identify. Basically, when we're talking about, you know, if someone is a good person, mm-hmm. what, if we were going to break that down and analyze it, you know, these would be some of the qualities that we're, on the most basic level, um, identifying in people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then there are also the different um, faculties, the different abilities that all people share. Um, we're gifted with a rational intellect. We can think, we can analyze the world. Um, and we have a free will. We can make choices um, of our own. We're not just uh, absentmindedly responding to stimuli all the day long. So even just those in and of themselves, building those up, um, learning how to think, learning how to make good choices yeah. is becoming more human. So it's you, responding to that gift of life. You make a good point. You know, We're not just kind of rolling through life, even rolling through the average day. As much as sometimes we might fall into that, you know, we are called mm-hmm. <laughs> to be constantly discerning, being open to listening and seeing the ways that God is calling us to respond to things, to grow and to just um, respond to those opportunities that are presented to us in daily life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really important reminder because it's easy to be complacent and to fall into routines Routines, which can be good because they help us accomplish things by, you know, organizing things. Yeah. But um, there's still ways that God is calling us that might not fit, you know, within exactly those routines or might interrupt them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know for me, if I didn't have certain routines throughout the day, I don't know if I could get through the day particularly well. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, being open to God coming into your life and maybe shining a light on something you've never thought of before or frustrating something in your routine just to get your attention. Mm -hmm. Um, That can be a way to call us out of ourselves, um, out of just looking at the world as just a horizontal plane and realizing this vertical dimension, um, our relationship with God that we all have. Yeah. So the church recently in history has really focused on this idea of vocation you know, mm-hmm. among all believers as something important. Um, is there any, anything more we could perhaps say about especially what the Second Vatican Council has taught us with regards to 
you know, the role of calling in the life of all Christians? Right. So on top of this, so after this uh, vocation to life in the life of the Christian from his baptism, he has this uh, vocation to holiness. Um, the Second Vatican Council calls it the universal call to holiness. Universal in the sense of all people. Right. And Or all members of the church mm-hmm. in this case. Yeah, but even, it certainly extends to all people, but mm-hmm. those members of the church have a particular call through their baptism um, to live it out. Um, and they're given particular graces to live it out that um, those outside the church don't fully participate in yet. And in a way, the Second Vatican Council, or those who were the fathers of the Second Vatican Council, were trying to, at least in part, respond to this misconception that to be a saint was to have professed religious vows or to be a priest or a nun or something like that. Mm -hmm. That um, as much as, you know, vows can really help someone to approach holiness. Yeah, absolutely. All Christians are called to be saints. Right. And because they're called to be saints, they also have the means to become saints. Yeah. God doesn't call us to something that we can't do. Mm -hmm. Um, So all, all Christians have an ability to become saints um, through the, the graces that God pours into their lives. um, Graces that come through seemingly ordinary things sometimes. Um, Like I said, even just those little frustrations in the routine Mm -hmm. of your day, maybe God getting your attention with something. Um, It's a grace. He's calling you back to himself. Hey, kind of snapping his finger. Look at me. You know, God's still here in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, That sort of thing. Um, Grace is not something that only comes to us through the sacraments. As much as, you know, especially through the sacraments we receive grace, God is trying to communicate us grace in many ways. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. Um, And so with this universal call to holiness in the Christian's baptism, um, the church has kind of identified three different ways that we can look at this. Um, We're baptized into Christ in his, what are called offices Mm -hmm. um, of priest, prophet, and king. Um, So three different ways in which um, the Christian is to live out his holiness, which is modeling Christ. Um, I think one of the biggest of those, and maybe the one that's um, most prone to misconceptions in our mind, is um, the office of priesthood for the laity. It's called the common priesthood. It's distinct from what we would call the ministerial priesthood, how we think of priests, you know, the fathers and monsignors and bishops Mm -hmm. in the church. Um, But it's a a priesthood nonetheless. Yeah, it's easy to to be distracted by the fact that we have in the church those who are ordained Mm -hmm. to be priests um, ministerially. So then we can kind of forget that all those who are baptized are called into Christ's priesthood in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the role of a priest generally is to sanctify things, to um, literally make things holy. Mm -hmm. If you were to dissect the word sanctification, um, that's what it means. So the priest does this preeminently by celebrating the sacraments, which are um, the ordinary and assured means of dispensing grace. Um, But there are other ways that we act in our lives as lay people, because um, seminarians are, are still lay people. Yep, you and I are still <laughs> among the laity. Right, right. Um, 
So there, there are plenty of ways that lay people can act in their lives to bring grace to others, to make the world a holier place, because mm-hmm. that's the mission of the church is the sanctification of the world until Christ um, brings everything back unto himself when he is all in all. So you're really starting to hit on one of the other central points of the Second Vatican Council, and this has to do with kind of like the channels of communication in a way. You know, priests who are ordained are priests because their lives are conformed to Jesus Christ, and they participate in his one priesthood. He is the one high priest. Mm -hmm. So a priest is a mediator in a way. Right. And those men who are ordained priests are mediators in that they offer the things that the people want to bring to God, you know, in the Mass. They offer those things to God. And then they offer to the people God's gift of his, you know, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then, so we take that idea of a priest being a mediator to the other level of the common priesthood, the priesthood that all the baptized share in, who are they going in between? Uh, Mm -hmm. Is there a way that they are mediators like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's like you said, the priest, as we might normally think of the ministerial priest, Mm -hmm. those fathers in our parishes, um, they go between God and us, um, the the people of God. Um, But this common priesthood is between God and the church and the rest of the world. So they're, they're called to minister to the world at large. Um, if that was only the job of the ministerial priest, mm-hmm. um, that would be a task way too large for him to do. There's, I think, less than a million priests in the world right now in mm-hmm. a world that has, what it, or I don't know what we're at, 8 billion, 9 billion, something like that. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have over a billion Catholics in the world. So maybe a 1 to 6 ratio or <laughs> 1 to 7 ratio, that's a lot more doable. Yeah. Um, just from a practical standpoint. It would be a lot more effective. Than, right, than <laughs> any priest could do, because that's one to several thousand um, ratio. You're listening to The Seminarians on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Brian Smith from the Diocese of Youngstown, and I'm speaking with Jacob Stinnett from the Diocese of Columbus about priesthood, but not just the priesthood of those men we call father, priesthood in the sense of all who are baptized. Um, so we've just been speaking about the way all the faithful are called to go out into the world in a special way and share the good news mm-hmm. of Christ. Um, so this is the mediation of the priesthood that all those people who are baptized share. Right, to bring Christ into the world, um, as Christ says in the Sermon on the Mount, to be salt and light for the world, Mm -hmm. um, to give it a special flavor and to shine God into the world, to make people more aware of his presence in the world, of everyone's vocation to life, um, and to invite them into the family of God, um, Mm -hmm. the church. So, yeah, there's that that mediatorial aspect um, with the common priesthood and we can the second vatican council calls it this um secular character um 
Now that's a word that sounds a lady. little bit um, dangerous, like because right. secular things are usually contrary to religious things, right? Right. That's a that's a dichotomy that we we like to make. Okay, um, but it's not necessarily the right dichotomy. Like secular, secular in and of itself is not a bad word. It's not something that we should be avoiding. Um, <laughs> there's kind of an overemphasis on the secular, if you could call it secularism or something like that, where that's the only thing we're ever going to look at um, is just the world at the human level. The world is all that matters. Right, right. So without that, as we talked about earlier, that vertical relationship of God and us as the family of God. So in this idea of secularism, like you said, you know, instead of focusing on, you know, the things of God, you know, what would be some of the and the goals of human life within this idea of secularism? Well, it would be seeing the world as kind of purely political or purely um, satisfying our own desires. Okay. Um, something like that, I suppose, would be how secularism would see our end instead of as our supernatural end, which is union with God. Um, this world isn't everything Mm -hmm. Um, thanks be to god for that (laughs) too um so so having this secular character means that the laity have the special mission to work in the world Mm -hmm. um to go out into those human structures human institutions that we have set up that do great work and to bring the light of the gospel into them to inform all of those aspects of regular human life with the gospel because that's their mission. So we usually think of evangelists as people who are preaching the gospel in a homily, but in a sense, the lady are also called to be evangelists right? by going out and sharing the gospel with those who would never find themselves in a church to hear a homily. Mm-hmm. And to remind those who, who do find themselves in churches True. throughout the week, maybe, you know, we're often there on Sundays, but throughout the week, not to forget God, not to forget um, to thank him for the gifts um, that he gives us to just be in conversation with him throughout mm-hmm. the week. Yeah. The um, the Second Vatican Council, in one of their documents, the Constitution on the Church, which is often called just Lumen Gentium after the first two words, um, it gives this list of characteristics or uh, obligations, responsibilities that um, all of the people of God have because of their common priesthood. Um, I'll read a little passage here. Sure, let's hear some of those. It says, For their part, meaning the part of the laity, the faithful join in the offering of the Eucharist by virtue of their royal priesthood. They likewise exercise that common priesthood by receiving the sacraments, by prayer, thanksgiving, by the witness of a holy life, by self-denial, and by acts of charity. So, the church is giving us this list of ways in which we live out our common priesthood, ways that we um, go throughout the day, mm-hmm. sanctifying the world, giving this um, witness to Christ. Right, because some of those things on that list were things we'd associate with going to church, you mm-hmm. know, like receiving the sacraments. But most of the ones toward the end were things that we would really only be able to do when we're out and about, right? You know, living exactly. life. So it, it roots all of this in their participation in the Eucharist um, by, mm-hmm. as you said, bringing their gifts um, 
and also their struggles, their complaints, um, their whole lives to the priest at Mass, which he then offers to God. And in return, we get the gift of the Eucharist, uh, which is God giving himself. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of the heart of the common priesthood. And so we see the first thing on the list is receiving the sacraments. Um, So just being uh, open to grace and living grace-filled lives is the first way in which the church tells us we're supposed to live out this common priesthood for the sanctification of the world. After that, we um, have prayer, thanksgiving, um, both of which are... Not just things that we would find at the Mass or in the sacraments, but it's, you know, life, our life with God, but spread out even more throughout our life. Right, exactly. So daily prayers, um, always having... um, what I think is one of the most unfortunate rhymes because I think it it detracts from the heart of the matter, the attitude of gratitude. I knew that's where you were going. (laughs) Um, It's so important, but I think we can kind of just make it a little trite by just saying, oh, Mm -hmm. attitude of gratitude and then moving on. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Thanksgiving, um, looking out at the world and not seeing it as just matter that's always been there, but as creation, meaning it's a gift of the creator, Mm -hmm. having that... um, contemplative worldview not just saying thanks on occasion but really trying to constantly be aware of those good things that we receive Mm -hmm. yeah and doing doing thanksgiving not just um saying it saying it is the first step um but living in such a way Mm -hmm. that your actions communicate that you're thankful um for everything that's been given and that you realize that you don't you do depend on someone else. <laughs> exactly. So after prayer and thanksgiving, the church tells us that we're supposed to um, witness to a holy life, give the witness of a holy life, um, which that seems to almost encompass everything else on the list in kind of general terms. Um, but there's um, commentary on that line specifically that talks about living a moral life. Um, so following uh, the commandments that God gave us, Mm -hmm. um, living out the Beatitudes, um, corporal works of mercy, spiritual works of mercy, um, all of these things that are avenues of grace in our lives and in the lives of others that remind us of God's presence doing godly things. And this is the beginning of an idea that we might kind of finish up with here, which is the collaboration between the work of the ordained priests and all of the laity of the church in their common priesthood. So here, the witness that the laity give by a holy life goes hand in hand with, you know, the more kind of doctrinal or, you know, the teachings of the church. Mm -hmm. If those teachings are just words on paper, then they're not going to be very effective. But if people hear them being explained and taught, but then also see them lived out in the lives of people... And see in those people, you know, a life of fulfillment, a life where they have joy by giving this witness, then those teachings are clear and more immediate and just accessible and things that I would want to do by seeing people live them out faithfully. Right. Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but um, Paul VI in his encyclical on evangelization called Mm -hmm. um, Evangelii Nunciandi, um, announcing the good news. Um, talks about this 
distinction that you've kind of hinted at here between um, being a teacher and being a witness, right. both of which are essential. But he says mm-hmm. people listen to witnesses much more than they listen to teachers. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that people listen to teachers is because they're also, also witnesses. witnesses. Mm-hmm. So it's not just um, talking mm-hmm. about and or reading out the catechism um, mm-hmm. or even memorizing the catechism for that matter. It's a good it's a good thing to do, but that's supposed to inform what we do because it's what we do that people are going to see um, and what's going to catch their attention, what's going to be a moment of grace for them and maybe go, oh, mm-hmm. why is that guy um, praying his rosary right now? Or maybe they don't even know it's a rosary. What's that guy doing with those with that string of beads mm-hmm. in his hand? You know, um, They stop and they think because they see something. They see an action and go, wow, there's something different there. There's something beautiful there. So bringing together then both ideas of the priesthood into the one body of Christ, Mm -hmm. if the church is to be a witness, you know, as a whole, the church as a whole, and, you know, those who stand in the person of Christ as head, you know, as ordained priests, especially are called to teach. But if the whole body is not giving a witness, you know, that is kind of a just a partial way of teaching and communicating that message. So it's necessary that the whole body be working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like our bodies all work as one thing. We have our heads and we have our bodies, but they all work at one thing. Um, so that's, and that's how we're most effective, right? Our, a body detached, a head detached from the body. It's not going to work very well. Um, so that's the same with the church. Everyone is called to this mission of uh, evangelization of going into the world, being salt and light, and bringing Christ's love and that invitation that He gives to love. It's good to reflect on these things, and you know, we we live in a time where we can look around and we really have this strong desire to see people appreciate the truth of the teaching of the church. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, that realization, coupled with this understanding of the way the whole body works together, um, will will help to just give all the members of the church, a greater desire to give that witness and to teach through it. Right, mm-hmm. right. Be a witness to a holy life. It's attractive to everyone. <laughs> Why don't we finish by turning to our Blessed Mother, asking her to give us all the grace to be faithful in our lives and by doing that to give witness to other people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum. Produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, the seminarians. The-